0: Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Joining me all the way from sunny Brighton, a very happy, a very bullish uh, and a very ecstatic Joe. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm good. Yeah, I'm fantastic. So are back in the title race. So, yeah, feeling good.
2: Uh, Finno, Bonnie, Scotland, lockdown. Yeah, lockdown now and very wintry. It's bloody freezing here.
0: And Kev is still in sunny Spain.
3: Yeah, the sun is shining, but I'm, I'm slightly in mourning for, for Liverpool's, you know, fading form. Whatever happens to it, God knows.
0: I'm sure Joe will... Uh give full analysis on the reason why Liverpool lost. OK, guys, we have no Premier League games coming up this weekend because it's the um, the League Cup, obviously, tonight and tomorrow night in the FA Cup. Uh, so we're just going to have a look through the results that happened last weekend and have a quick look through, uh, of course, the transfer window's open now as well. So, Finno, starting at Goodison Park on Friday evening, uh, Everton nil, West Ham won, Lake goal, massive win for West Ham. I think you might have said it could have been David Moyes' first win against Everton.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. Another miserable prediction for me, and yet again, you know, West Ham go and prove me wrong. So I think I'll just continue to predict that West Ham will lose and maybe we'll end up at the top end of the table. It was a bit of a gritty win. They ground uh, they ground it out. It was a great goal from Suchek late on. I think again it's just more evidence that the that really anyone in the top, say, thirteen, fourteen teams can win against anyone else on their day. Um, I think, you know, Another honorable mention for Angelo Bonner. He was phenomenal in the heart of our defense. But I do want to talk about Everton as well, because you know that's three losses in their last five home games, and Calvert Lewin's not scored in five games as well in the league, so you know it's a bit of a, a treacherous situation for them going forward. But yeah, West Ham couldn't be happier.
0: There's something in the Mersey Air final. seems to be catching. Um, but yeah, huge win for, for West Ham, I got to say. Kev, Everton's slump seemed to be over, but now it's, essentially it coming
3: back. No, uh, th- to 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 me, it's just it's um it's just no one. Like I've said a couple of times, right? No one's really been able to, 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 to go on a mega run, and so it it's almost like that thing of just reversion to mean, really, because I think they'd won four on the spin. And so, just to be honest, they're not that good, are they? No one's that good. And so they were about ready for a, for a, for a loss, to be honest. So so not that big a surprise. I, I'd be really, I've no idea. Someone should, we should, should, should have done me preparation. Someone should go and look at, like, what's the highest number of uh, consecutive wins anyone's had in this league? And maybe it's about five. That's something like that. And and that's the thing. I like Everton. I really do. Uh, I think they've got lots of, uh, apart from that shite game they had against Liverpool, which was rubbish, really rubbish. But otherwise, it not have been really good. But yeah, I just think, you know, like everyone else, they're pretty good. And so, yeah, defeat, I, I think it's been a size. You can lose to anyone in the top 10 on 12, so not that big a surprise.
2: Actually, Everton were unbeaten in their at least their last four. Just looking at the last five games there, they'd won four and then lost to West Ham. So they were definitely a form team going in even without Calvert-Lewin's goals. But but yeah, I think West Ham, you know, it's definitely... The, I think at one point this weekend, there was five or six teams sitting there on 26 points. So, you know, just a couple of games here or there could really make the difference between, you know, sixth and, say, tenth.
0: Yeah, like Kev said, if somebody goes on a run, they can do serious damage. There is a team on a run. They're Man United. They've won four of the last six. Um, they beat Villa 2-1 in Old Trafford. Not overly impressive, but I thought they really dug in. And Villa looked really threatening, you know, up to the right, to the very end. But United won, they won ugly, but they still, it was, it was a good game to watch. But they won and they're now level on points with Liverpool at the top of the table with a game in hand. This is the Man United who, a few months ago, we thought, you know, Ole is going to go. And now it looks like they're really in this, they're really in this title challenge, you know, they really are. And I do really like Aston Villa as well, Uh, you know, how they played. Fearless, I thought, Old Trafford, they really had a goal. I mean, they spent a lot of money on players, but they're good to watch. And, you know, they're going to really upset teams as well this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if an Aston Villa or Leeds end up in the Champions League spot.
2: Your spot on, JP, it's that ability to, and more so at home for Man United, grind out those points which are starting to become the difference maker um, you know, they're able to play against the teams that open up against them, you know, against Leeds. And if you look at Leipzig in the Champions League as well, they they played really well there. I think it also highlights, you know, the importance of Bruno Fernandes. So I, I, had a, I had a look around social media. United have won more points than anybody else in the league since January of last year. They've won 65 compared to Liverpool's 62, which just highlights the importance of Bruno Fernandes. And I know it's only one player, but we've just seen how much of an effect he can have. You know, I said a few episodes ago that this was a, a low key title challenge for Man United. I think it's time to say, like, it is, this is a proper title contender.
0: I don't think he's the, I mean, he's a fantastic player. And a lot of his goals come from the penalty spot. I think the only one he missed in 20 or something was, was up at Newcastle. But I wouldn't put him in the same class as De Bruyne as he can dictate the whole play. He's a guy who kind of just seems to be in the right place at the right time, 90% of the time. His positional play off the ball is, is fantastic. Joe, do you see Man United as as challengers to Southampton for that
1: title? Um, (laughs) If they keep getting awarded a penalty every single week, then yes. Um, I know Klopp, you know, joked about it last night, but their their number of penalties is absurd. Um, I I can't get my head around how club can get so many penalties. But yeah, it's a remarkable story. Like you say, it was only a few months ago we were saying Ole and Solskjaer is going to go. And now they're on a fantastic run of form. And it seems the pressure that was on Solskjaer went to Arteta and now it's gone to Lampard. <laughs> so it's just kind of quite a funny uh, merry-go-round. But I think, isn't it, the, the Manchester derby is coming up, isn't it, I believe? So at some point, no, it's not. It's Liverpool v Man... Yeah, Liverpool. The
0: Manchester derby is coming up in the League Cup, uh, John.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Man U do against really big teams and if they can beat all of those teams. And if they do, then they'll definitely, definitely in with the shout of, uh, you know, winning the league.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to hang in there. I mean, obviously, they're not in the Champions League anymore and they will rest players for the Europa League because there's no doubt the hierarchy of Man United and, you know, Solskjaer, they're going to be told look, prioritise the Premier League, play the kids in the Europa League, rest the rest the players for the Premier League. And if you've got a shot at it, go for it, you know, go for it. Uh, the early game on Saturday was Tottenham three, Leeds nil. Uh Kane Song again on the score sheet. Uh, Leeds disappointing. I mean they're you know, this it doesn't matter what happens. They're still gonna play the same way every single week. Week in, week out, they're gonna attack you. But I thought Tottenham showed how to play against Leeds. You know, Kane and Song scored again. Doherty sent off near the end. I've seen a clip of um even though they've won the game 3-0 and Doherty was sent off in ninety two minutes, the disgust on Mourinho's face, you know, it was, was absolutely buggers just to uh, you know, let that to be sent off like even though they obviously won the game. Uh Tottenham back in the groove you know?
2: Yeah, I mean I said in the in the last podcast, I think it was, that this was gonna be quite an interesting managerial battle with Mourinho versus Bielsa. Turned out that it was a bit of a damn squib after everything that's come out in the news over the last couple of days about the Tottenham players breaching the COVID protocols, Mourinho's rightly going to be pissed off about that. And so you'll be very happy at this at this result. What I do think though, and I want to talk about Leeds more so than Tottenham, is we've all waxed lyrical about Leeds' style. And I think Kevin probably got there quicker than most or than most of us is that they lack that killer substance or that killer instinct at this level. You know, I think it's been four or five games this season that I've seen you know, on match reports and things like that, that Leeds came close to changing the game with the the amount of chances that they've got, but they're just not putting them away. And, you know, Patrick Bamford is a great Premier League striker. There's no doubt about that. But if he's not got the support in games consistently, then they're going to be a perennial mid-table team. Now, that's a great compliment for a Leeds team that have only just come up and they're, they're not fighting for relegation. But I think in January, they've definitely got some work to do Um, And if they do find that striker that's got that killer instinct, then they could be, you know, a force to be reckoned with.
3: I'm going to say one other thing here, and it's more or less the same thing as I said earlier on, just because I think sometimes you have to hammer it home. Tottenham have been crap, right, for about three or four weeks. They win one game, look at the table, right? They're back in top four, they've got a game in hand, they're basically top of the league. They're basically joint top of the league as well, you know, with with that game in hand. And this is the extraordinary thing about this league. All, what's happened is all these teams have had really crap runs at one point. Start with Man City. Uh, you know, we talked about Man United having been crap at the start. We've had this horrible run for 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 Tottenham. And you talked Joe about the the managerial pressure. You know, passing from one manager to the next, to the next, to the next, and they've all got away with it. It's extraordinary. And this is the weird thing. I would say, I would say even we're going to get on to Chelsea in a minute. I would say even Chelsea and even Lampard, right? Don't write them off either. I know we all assume that uh, Abramovich is going to take drastic action. But why? You know, it could be the same as everyone else. They might just, you know, they've had this shit run and then maybe they'll get through it. And then maybe in four weeks' time, you know, Chelsea will be be top four again as well. I, I think it's almost a restart that we've had. But that's what I mean. I think the extraordinary thing is how bad were Tottenham in all those games and then suddenly look at them now. All it takes is one good result. And I just, before I finish, I'd just like to say I really loved that second goal from Son. God, that was such a lovely touch. I don't know if you guys all watched it, but but a nice ball in from a hurricane, but just a touch on it for that goal. And I do just think with with Tottenham, almost despite their manager, you know, he's he's a great manager, but he is so defensive. They've just got, with those two, with Kane and Son together, that is a really nice partnership, isn't it? If you were a fan of Tottenham, you'd love to have those two. Um, And I think, yeah, weird, weird little run for them. Now they look really good. And if they can do it, it's, honestly, the merry-go-round is there. Who's next? Yeah, maybe maybe Liverpool will, ever, will, be, will be four points clear in four games' time because all it takes is three or four good results and then you're back right there.
1: I just wanted to go back to Finno's point quickly about Leeds trying to find the striker. I think it's really important to remember that this season, because last season was so delayed, there was quite a short time for the teams coming up to really mobilise their squad. They didn't have the full break and the full transfer window. And Finding a striker who's going to score you 15, 20 goals in the Premier League is no easy task. So I, th- I think it just means, it shows how amazing Leeds have actually done uh, to win seven games so far. Um, and you're right, if they do find a kind of gem of a striker, then there'll be one one hell of a team.
0: Yeah, I mean, they still have to uh, shut up shop at the back. But I think even if you had, you know, Franco Barresi back there for Leeds, it wouldn't make a difference because of how they play. Palace 2, Sheffield United nil, kind of a formality, this result. Sheffield United 2 points, dead and buried. Palace, away away from that that zone, you know, relegation zone on 22 points. Sheffield United's next game is a hump to Newcastle. And I'm worried about it because, you know, they're going to look at it and they go, right, if we don't win this, we're gone. We're actually gone. We're definitely gone. But, I mean, I've, I think the nail uh, was in the coffin a few weeks ago. Like, they're 12 points behind... Brighton in 17th place, so I can think we can safely say they're gone. I don't know even if, if a new manager came in, would it, would it make a difference at this stage of the season? Um, What a game, Joe, in your back garden. Brighton 3, Wolves 3. You must have watched this one.
1: Yeah, I did watch this one and I was not expecting it at all. The, the last few times Brighton and Wolves have played against each other, has been 0-0, 0-1, 0-0. So to have six goals in the game was quite extraordinary. Um, I think it's kind of what we've showed... And we've said in the past is that the players are still playing for Graham Potter to be 3-1 down at home. They could have quite easily kind of, you know, thrown in the towel and kind of made a point to the chairman that they didn't like him anymore and to get rid of him. But they didn't. They kept fighting. They they kept going. And it's, it's just a shame. I think with Brighton, they just need to win a game from somewhere, just need to win a game. And then they may go on a bit of a run. Um But at the moment, they just can't seem to do it. So I'd say it was a good point, but we should probably say that Wolves aren't the same team that they have been for the last couple of years. Wolves have been pretty poor. Um, So Brighton, they're only three points ahead of Fulham. So they do need to find a win from somewhere.
2: Yeah, I think, Joe, you're spot on. Brighton, they're still a little treacherous, you know, being where they are, but... I think that's four draws in their last five, and yeah, they need to turn one of the, one or two of those into wins, and then I think the the relief will start to you know become palpable with uh, for Graham Yeah, I,
3: th- I think the only problem with that is uh, their next game is against Man City, and they're not going to win that. Uh, not uh, We'll get on to Man City in a bit, but no, that ain't going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I do feel for them a little bit. No, the only thing I'd say about it, not not much more to add other than really disappointing again from Wolves uh, with the result, right? Not necessarily the performance, but very disappointing result to actually go down in the last minute uh, to Man United. And then to let that lead slip and to only get a point out of that. And I think they've dropped a little bit down the table as well. Not looking all that fan- Like you say, they're not quite the same team as they were anyway, but it's not looking great for them either. So I hope it doesn't turn into one of those seasons for them where it's just like real, you know, they just stay above the danger, but it's just really, you know, a boring season. But yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty nasty result that.
1: I'm sure we'll come on to this later, but surely Wolves are going to be one of the teams who are going to be trying to find a striker in the January transfer window.
2: Yeah, you would think so.
0: Yeah, they need a striker, and there's talk of Triore leaving as well. One of one of their one of their best players last season, one of the the best impact subs in the Premier League. I mean, if he goes, Shota, and you know the striker, the Mexican boy, I can never think of his name, who fractured his skull, the poor guy. But yeah, Wolves would definitely need to need to invest in the uh, in the window, and like, they're not the same as last season, but they can still pull out a result. You know, they 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 beat Chelsea, and they three goals here, I and mean, they could have got four or five. So. They're still um, still a good side was. A big Sam never liked Arsenal and he will not like them much after this. Uh West Brom mill Arsenal four. Finno are Arsenal back.
2: Uh I don't know. Arsenal they did look pretty good, but then again, if we take ourselves back to September, we wouldn't have blinked really to see such a dominant team performance against what is a pretty ropey West Brom team, um, who by the by, nearly scored another belter of an own goal, which would have made it, what, two in two weeks. I think Arsenal, it's that was an expected win. And yes, the, the quality of some of their goals were great, doing it in in such a way in the weather conditions that they did. But West Brom, you know, that's a lot of goals that they've conceded in the last four games. And to be honest, I think that their fate is as sealed as Sheffield United's in terms of going down.
0: Yeah, I mean, Big Sam has never gone down though, fino, has he? He's never taken a team down in the in the Premier League. I mean, right. the way it's going, like like Kevin was just saying there, you know, just Tottenham have been crap, Spurs have been crap, and then they win one game and look where they are now. But, I mean, if West Brom win two games or three games and Brighton drop down, then there you go, it's easy. Or Newcastle would drop down or, or Palace or even Wolves, anybody. So I wouldn't give up on West Brom just yet or Big Sam. I mean, they, they, might, they might invest money in. In January, I mean, who they're going to get, who knows. But you know, Sam could sure pull a Guatemalan player out of the Spanish second division to score 20 goals. Uh, Kev,
3: no, only, only just to add on on Arsenal as well, is that they've got a couple of winnable games coming up next as well. So they've got they've had this little run. It's three on three in a row now, right? Then they're, they're they've got Palace. who are a bit unpredictable, but you know, you would think you would fancy that, particularly at home. Uh, and then they've got a home game against Newcastle coming up after that. And, you know, no no wish to malign a Newcastle side that helped Liverpool to a very good draw as well. You know, it's a couple of winna- winnable games for them. And then suddenly they've got, you know, five in a row and you sort of think, Jesus Christ, you know, then you really are talking about European football again. So, are, are Arsenal back? Yeah, all right. You wouldn't have blinked to see them beat West Brom, but you still have to beat the the teams in front of you. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and if they, this win, if this three-game run turns into five-game run, then, then suddenly you're sort of thinking all those predictions about changing the coach look fairly ludicrous. And we're back thinking about, are they on the fringes of the Champions League?
0: Yeah, Arsenal's form... Returning seems to have a lot to do with Lacazette. Lacazette, you know, was the, the guy sitting on the bench. Aubameyang was the main man. He wasn't doing the business. The last couple of games, Lacazette's on. He's scoring the goals. I think that the players like him. And, yeah, I think he, he's made a big difference. Whether Arsenal will go on a run or not, I mean, remains to be seen. Uh, moving on, the early game on Sunday between Burnley and Fulham was postponed, uh, which leads us to St. James's Park, Newcastle against Leicester, Highfly and Leicester. Now, Joe said Newcastle were going to get absolutely battered. So I was expecting, like, a kind of a... You know, remember when Leicester beat Southampton 8 or 9 nil, uh, <laughs> one of those. Uh, but I have to say, Newcastle really got stuck in. You know, they impressed me. The, the work ethic was there. Uh, they were lucky not to sneak something in the end. I mean, but after... Like, I should have played Joe's, you know, prediction in the dressing room, um, really. And it was one of those, you know, Kevin Keegan, I would love it. Love it if we beat him <laughs> moments, you know. Um, Big Andy Carroll came off the bench and... Uh, and banged in a goal, and late on, yeah, they could have a penalty, could have had a goal. So I think Madison was was the difference. Vardy didn't do a whole lot. He attracted players. Madison is just, you know, he just needs one chance really, and he's, his his positional play is fantastic. But um, look, I mean, Liverpool and Leicester back to back. I wouldn't expect anything. In fact, we got a point, you know, and those games are out of the way now, and the performance level is up. So we we said last week we didn't think Newcastle could match the enthusiasm. They weren't far off it in, in patches, you know, and energy levels they're still missing the main players in Saint Maxima and Lascelles but I've seen enough in the last two games to to think that we can we'll stay up
2: yeah I think Newcastle I think they're they're definitely there to stay up I don't I don't have any worries about that but you know Leicester are on a bit of a charge but please can we have somebody else win the title because Brendan Rodgers will be absolutely insufferable if he wins the (laughs) Premier League He was already terrible when he was at Celtic but honestly Leicester winning the Brother league under, yeah he's the guy with the the giant portrait of himself in his uh, in his home <laughs> I
3: mean, well a bit like a bit like shit's uh... Creek,
2: <laughs> exactly
0: he doesn't come across as like a you know a bit of an idiot or anything or you know, an egotistic guy he's uh seems to be a nice enough chap from what I've seen in the interviews and stuff when he was Liverpool manager as well he was very humble
3: um looks quite sure humble would be the words JP he was something <laughs> Would you class him as arrogant? <laughs> um, he's, um, yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely has a, a high opinion of his own abilities as a coach. That is definitely true. Um, arrogant, I don't know. You know, he probably deserves to have a very high opinion of himself. I'm, mean, you know, all, all in favour of people who are very good at their jobs who have a high opinion of themselves. I think he has done an amazing job. But yeah, I can't imagine if you, <laughs> I can't, you know, if you didn't like him, I bet he would be pretty insufferable. To be honest, yeah, I bet he would be.
0: Uh, well, I mean, the, the team's always played nice football. Swansea really impressed me when he was there. Obviously, Liverpool, Celtic, you know, and Leicester now. They're playing good football. He's kept the, the main players there at Leicester. OK, they sold Harry Maguire, but they haven't really missed Harry Maguire, have they? You know, they're they're very organised in defence. The game management, you know, when they went ahead, uh, how, how they started to play. It's very, very professional outfit, Leicester, and I think they'll be up there. I think they're definitely going to be in the... Uh, in the Champions League spots. Now, I didn't see the game at the bridge. You guys definitely did, I'm sure, Finno. Chelsea won, Man City three. A lot of people talking about this, you know, Lampard's got to go after this and, but like you were saying, Kevin, that Chelsea went a couple of games they're right back up there as well. Man City though, I think are starting to click.
2: I watched parts of the game, but you know, everywhere I've read about this game, you use one word to describe City and that was ruthless. You know, they, they missed potentially, I think, five players due to COVID. Um, and, you know, as soon as they went 2-0 up after, what, 20 minutes, the game was over, even though the chances still kept on coming. And, you know, it wouldn't have been out of the question for it to be four or five. Um, Chelsea, I don't really know what to say about them. That's, I think, four points from six that they've taken. Not good enough for mid-table, let alone top four.
1: I think um, I think everyone else in the title race should be very, very concerned. Um Pep Guardiola said afterwards that 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 performance reminded him of his team from two years ago. If they play like that for the rest of the season, then I don't think anyone else has got much of a shout. I just looked at Man City's next six fixtures, right? Brighton, Palace, West Brom, Villa, Sheffield United, Burnley. If they win all those six, then they could be, you know, six points clear.
3: Yeah, the money there, Joe, the bet there is will they score over 30 goals in those games? And uh, because, because honestly, I agree with you, or or with Pep actually, you know, that reminded me of a proper championship winning team. And I reckon, yeah, if if that is the shape of things to come, there is no one even close uh, to being able to live with them. And they, I think I mentioned this point a few weeks ago, they just won't be able to believe how lucky they are. How can you be that shite for the, you know, for the first 10, 12 games, basically? I mean just no no preparation, didn't look like there were the races, and then get to this point and be basically level with everyone. And it's a restart for them and they can't believe it. And over what is it, twenty let's say over twenty games, no one's gonna be able to get close to them. All right, anything can happen. We'd be crazy to to you know to to go too far on these predictions. But yeah, they were they were really, really good. And sorry, just one more thing. How do you describe Chelsea? I'm just gonna go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago. Flat track bullies. So they will destroy anyone who's really bad. They're like Graham Hick. If you were a cricket fan back in the 1990s or whatever it was, they'll score. They'll score you 100 against against a really weak attack on a on a on a on a flat pitch. But when they're you know on a really tough game against one of the bigger teams, then it clearly looks like they just don't have it. They were they were nowhere near. Were they? They were absolutely nowhere near. Not at the races.
2: I think we do have to give Lampard a bit of slack, though. Because, you know, what they're trying to do at the moment is basically replace Hazard from whenever it was, two seasons ago, three seasons ago. And yes, they've brought in Werner, who hasn't worked really yet. And they've brought in Havertz, who hasn't really worked yet. But they're still young players and they're still acclimatising themselves to new team, new city, new language, etc, etc. I think the, the issue with Lampard is that he doesn't seem to be learning from any of his mistakes. He doesn't seem to be really... You know, trying to to remedy things. And I think actually we're starting to see players, you know, if we're talking about Giroud, Giroud's been selling himself around London and various parts of Europe to try and get himself into the France team for the Euros. If he was happy at Stamford Bridge, he loves London, he would be more than happy to, to stay and fight for his place. And you just have to wonder whether or not Abramovich and the rest of the, the footballing board, with somebody like Thomas Tuchel waiting in the wings, sitting there doing diddly squat, are they going to be the first people to move and bring in somebody with his record and, you know, have to make a change?
0: Chelsea and Abramovich don't hang around, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if anybody... I mean, Chelsea can change, you know, but they can get five managers in five seasons and get two Premier Leagues and two Champions Leagues. It's what they've always done, what they continue to do. Uh, I don't know a lot about cricket. I don't know anything. But I do know <laughs> Chelsea have lost four of the last six. I do know that Man City are only four points behind Liverpool with two games in hand. And Kev, you said a few weeks ago, you know, Liverpool will be rubbing their hands together if they're in and around the top couple, you know, top two or three, and they get these players back. I also think Man City are rubbing their hands together going, right, look, we finally got hit at form and we're not too far behind. So they could be the ones that, that could be five, six, ten points clear. You know what I mean? And it's, it could very, very easily happen. I mean, we, we, know, we know how good they are. They've been terrible, you know, for their standards at times this season. But now when they start to play, like, yeah, they're just, they, could, they could run away with it. Now, Joe, you've been pretty quiet in this podcast, but I can tell you're waiting for this moment, your chance to absolutely explode. Um, so the stage is yours. Last night, uh, Saints rocked the football world. Southampton won, Liverpool nil.
1: Uh, It was a fantastic performance and a fantastic result. And you can see how much it meant to uh, Ralph Harves afterwards. He kind of collapsed on the floor, on his knees, tears in his eyes after winning. So it obviously meant a a huge amount to him. Um, Southampton defended fantastically well, but it wasn't kind of, you know, 10 men behind the the ball. They could have scored more goals. They actually took the game to Liverpool. It must be said Liverpool weren't at their best. They were very strangely flat but Southampton took full advantage. And I just wanted to note, so we always hear about when the big teams have got loads of injuries. They, they keep banging on about it. Liverpool, City. Southampton had five of their first team regulars out injured, including three of our best players this season in Che Adams, Romeo and Vestergaard, as well as the goalkeeper, McCarthy, and Nathan Redmond. We had five first team regulars missing and we still managed to beat Liverpool. So it was a fantastic performance. It was our first win in five. Um, and now, yeah, we're back in the race for the Champions League.
3: Well, two things, Joe. First of all, you, earlier on, you said, you know, back in the race for the title, so I think you shouldn't sell yourself short. <laughs> sure. uh, no, seriously, no reason why not. Honestly, no reason why not, except for the for this point that I'll make now. I thought they were really good, Southampton. I think everyone knew they were going to be really good. Liverpool knew they were really, really good. Uh, let me try. And, I can't explain why Liverpool were so bad, other than Klopp has got himself into this situation where it's a patchwork team not complaining about the injuries or anything like that. He just seems to have pulled the team apart a little bit. I think it's fine to play Fabinho at centre-back for a few weeks. It's fine, I suppose. It would have been fine to play Jordan Henderson at centre-back for the odd. But you can't... It's not a long-term solution, is it? I think you've got to you've got to say, well, what is the team that took us to the league title? And not just before that, you know, the Champions League, and before that, the Champions League final. Liverpool's best team, you know, the most exciting team was probably the one that didn't win anything. You know, it was the one that two seasons ago that got to the Champions League final. But anyway, how do you get yourself into this situation where the team is just like, it's not even recognisable as the team? And I feel like he's just just made a little mistake somehow in persevering with Fabinho, and like I say, pulling apart the team. And you've got like Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, for... No idea why, but it's just devoid of confidence and just doesn't look like the player um, that he was. And and I think, again, uh, Ginny Wijnaldum, doesn't matter who you are. You know, if you've not got a contract for next season, that's a terrible situation to be in, right? So he's turned down a contract or whatever. Or They've not been able to give him the contract that he wants. And so he's now looking to get out. But it's only human nature, isn't it? He does not have a contract for the next season. And so how is he going to play in the way that he can play when he's thinking one injury... Um means, look at what happened to Victor Valdez all those years ago. You know, one injury and it means suddenly, oh shit, you know, you've got no, you know, that's your career, that's your money earning potential over. So that's an odd situation. So that's an odd situation. Like I say, Trent's an odd situation, the patchwork team's an odd situation. But sorry, just to come all the way around, my only worry, Joe, is someone going to come in for Ralph? Is he, do you think he'd stay no matter what, because there are half a dozen teams, including a couple in, in England, who must be looking at him, right?
1: Yeah, completely, they will be. Um, I mean, it, it would be classic Liverpool if after losing to Saints in the January transfer window, they try and sign Jack Stevens, uh, <laughs> half of the Southampton team, like War they did a few Prowse years ago. Have, yeah, Ward-Prowse, <laughs> Danny Ings couldn't come back. Um, <laughs> in terms of Ralph, he seems very, very happy at Southampton, but you're right. If someone like Chelsea came in for him and offered him the, ch- the chance to work again with Timo Werner, who I know he's, he, he's kind of very close with from the Leipzig days it would probably be hard for him to resist. And I think Southampton fans are all just praying and really keeping our fingers crossed that Ralph stays for as long as possible because he won't stay forever. And we are very, very lucky to have him.
2: It seems like Southampton are such a well-run team, just generally, that a well-run club, you know, we talked about the managerial merry-go-round, but in, at Southampton, it seems to be more of a conveyor belt of just good manager after good manager. And, you know, Rangers fans will know, um, you know, Ross Wilson, director of football at Southampton. There always seems to have been this kind of, you know, ability to pluck players, youthful players. And, you know, they've, they've definitely had players from Scotland. And I think probably one of the, the key deputies for last night was Fraser Forster. Um, and, you know, he is a man mountain of a goalkeeper. I saw him play countless times for for Celtic and he single-handedly won them, you know, trophy after trophy. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he's allowed to stay between the sticks, whether or not, you know, you've got three or four goalkeepers in the England team that are underperforming or on the bench, he could easily be number one at the Euros.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, going back a few years ago when he was number one for Saints, he was the second best goalkeeper in the league behind De Gea. He was amazing. It was just a shame he got a really Bad injury, lost his form. But I think he'll have another run out in the FA Cup this week. And if he does well again, then he may stake a claim for the number one for the rest of the season. But just talking about Southampton, so we finished the game yesterday with three of our academy players on the pitch, which is like it was under Pochettino and under Koeman. We kind of lost our way a little bit under the Pellegrino, Mark Hughes years, but Ralph has brought it all back.
0: Yeah, I wonder in the way that, you know, how Mourinho... Uh, signed that Spanish player by giving him a load of um, jamon iberico, jamon serrano, the Spanish ham. If Roman Abramovich offered Haslenhutl a load of schnitzels, know he, he, he might get him. You never know. I'm um, just going to go back, Kev, to um, Liverpool. And reading Roy Keane's book years ago. And I bought the book because I wanted to see his opinion of the whole Saipan World Cup 2002 thing. But in it, he spoke about Man United. And he spoke about how they won the Champions League and how after that and the continuous Premier Leagues, there was a cup final every week and that every single team, you know, performed to their max and defended to the hilt. Liverpool, I think, went a little bit under the radar. And I know they were a fantastic team, you know, to watch. They won the Champions League uh, very close in the Premier League. Next season, won the Premier League at a canter by a mile. But then this season, did teams maybe start to figure out, I won't say to play against them, how to play against them, but maybe how to defend against them, you know, a little bit. I think a lot of it comes through the wings, obviously through Robertson and through uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's an unbelievable player. He's one of my favourite players in the Premier League, you know, for his passing, his, his free kicks. But just how they play. I think Liverpool, maybe teams looked at it and thought, if we can nullify these guys getting forward, we can stop Liverpool, you know? I mean, there's still, you might say you're missing uh, Van Dijk and you've got Fabinho at the back. you still got, you know, the, the forward line of whatever it is cost £4 billion, a goalkeeper for £100 million, you know what I mean? They've still got these players who've won everything, but is there a thing now of that players are, are trying to, you know, the teams are getting up, they're really getting themselves fired up against Liverpool, and have they seen a way to defend against them, do you think?
3: I think I, I think mostly, if I have to say, I think mostly it's just individuals. And it's a little problem. Like I said, I think it's a little problem with Wijnaldum and it's a little problem with Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's, who's out of form. His crossing is, is... I don't know what's happened to him. So, w- whatever reason that is. Like I say, you're playing their two most effective midfielders at centre-back last night, which is just really weird. Um, you had um, Klopp had to have a go at Kurtz Jones for something that happened in the last game. You got Mohamed Salah, who gave that interview a couple of weeks ago about how you know he's pissed off at not getting the captaincy in that game seems to be almost agitating towards a possible move to Real Madrid. Um, and then you've got this weird thing whereby everyone, every Liverpool fan I know, thought Shaqiri, it, it, that would be a good game for him last night, but he didn't come on until the second half. You had like, uh, Minamino had his best game ever for Liverpool against Palace and then hasn't played since. You know, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's that, that, that people have worked out how to play Liverpool. To be honest, I think it is just that um, it's been three seasons, let's say, of absolute intensity. Like we talked about this a lot, right? The reason they won the league last season or the reason they were able to build up such a big lead was being able to have that intensity for 95 or 100 minutes every single game and and and, and always win so many of those games by one goal. And I just think it's caught up with them. I really do. I think it's partly the injuries. And then, like I say, Klopp having to struggle to work out a patchwork of a way to play and then that has turned out to be a, a devastating set of decisions for the team, along with the the individual things like Wynaldum and so on. So I, I don't share that concern. I, I think Liverpool at their best and at their strongest will still be a very, very, very tough team. Well you know, no one will be able to live with them. At their absolute best but they're just so far from their best and and if i'm i loved actually Klopp last night apparently said you know he's asked you know what are the problems with liverpool and he was like how long have you got like where do i start I when mean, he acknowledges it they're they're, they're, they're fucked up you know right now they got he's got a real this is his toughest uh moment as liverpool coach i think you know but the good news is Going all the way back to the start of this, and as we've said consistently, no one—at least no one else—has run away with it, and we're all predicting that City will. But that's still only a prediction. You know, there's still got a lot of games to win. You know, so even though it's looking bleak at the moment, I think it is—it's a restart for everyone. So who knows? Maybe, maybe they will get it together. But big test for Klopp, and let's see.
0: I don't think so. I mean, take a step back. You're top of the league. You've got Tiago Alcantara <laughs> and right. Diego Jota on the bench. You know what I mean? So I don't think things are that bad at all. I just think they maybe need to find a little different way of winning. I mean, the Newcastle game, they could have scored a few goals and won the game. You know, could have conceded yeah. as well. Um, I didn't see the West Brom game. Um, you know, obviously Southampton I didn't see last night, but they haven't scored all year, Liverpool. So, I know how that sounds. Fair I, I, play, didn't like, fair I didn't play to you. like what um, what Klopp said, though, about the penalty. It reminded me of an arrogant Alex Ferguson in the United area when. You know, if it was anybody else, they would have given the penalty. I I didn't like hearing that, uh, what what club said. But, you know, I think Liverpool will obviously turn it around. And in the same way for Man City, you know, nobody's run away with it. So they can go on a run quite easily. And boom, you know, they they, they could quite easily run away with the league. But yeah, big result for Southampton Joe. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to hold you to this now that you're title contenders and Champions League contenders. Because if you don't, if they don't do it, you're definitely going to hear about it um okay lads as always before we hit the road here on the irishman englishman and Scotsman football podcast our maestro kev has another masterpiece
3: of lyrics uh, what have you got for us this week kev i've been smoking hamlet cigars this week uh, in preparation for this one so here we go what a piece of work is a man united the team is on fire the fans are excited infinite faculty noble in reason i'm starting to think that this might be their season Solskjaer is not the most fated of bosses, but can you even remember the last of their losses in a season where nothing has quite gone as planned? They sit in joint first with the game still in hand. Liverpool with them post round 17, but nothing looks right in this fading clock team. And as we approach a brief pause for the cup, it's time to consider just where we'll end up. Well, If I was a pundit, I'd have to resign because I can't pick a favourite from all the top nine. My heart says the Reds, my head says Man City, but as a predictor, my record's just shitty. Leicester a third after winning away at Newcastle where Madison's brilliance held sway. Tottenham found some of the swagger they'd lost. Three nil against Leeds was the perfect riposte. Despite the odd chance Leeds got out from their visit, Sons near post-touch for Spurs second, exquisite. And City? Well, they were too smart for poor Frank, as Foden and Sterling ran riot on each flank. Pep and his team are now right in the zone. It won't be too long before they're back on the throne, because Liverpool look like they're running on empty. Ideas are few, the problems are plenty. Southampton were barely perturbed in defence, Their midfield impressive and Ward-Prowse immense. A gimme for Ings, then a whole load of Notton, the winning machine of last year long forgotten. Klopp looks bewildered, the players look battered. Meanwhile, United marched on at Old Trafford. Villa played well, led by classy Jack Grealish, but Fernandez maintained his Anus Mirabilis. Striking the winner, once more from the spot, as Pogba tied Douglas Luiz in a knot. Is their title bid real, or just a suggestion? To be or not to be? Well, that is the question. Brilliant stuff, Kev. Thank
0: you very much, Kev. Enjoy the uh, non-lockdown, sunny uh, summer weather you have in Spain.
3: I'll be out sunbathing again this week. Cheers, mate.
0: Joe, I'm sure you'll be celebrating at home uh, in Brighton until Southampton win again. Thank you.
1: Absolutely will be. Thanks, JP.
0: Uh, Fino, brave the weather of Scotland. Chat to you soon, buddy. Yeah, I'll be sunbathing as well. (laughs)
3: you'll be you'll be turning you'll be
0: turning blue exactly sunbathing but a high right. thanks a lot guys for listening this has been the Irishman Englishman and Scotsman football podcast Uh, enjoy the cup games we'll be back to you next Tuesday before the return of the Premier League bye bye